Hi there, and welcome along to episode 130 of the JersNet podcast, a totally independent Rangers show made by fans for fans, where the content is always absolutely free. And as we all know by now, it's not just the podcast that we have here at JersNet, but if you have a head over to the website at www.jersnet.co.uk, you can also see all the great free content we have over there, including match previews, reviews, articles, uh, a history archive, and a very, very friendly discussion forum. So please do head to the website and get involved. If you're joining us live tonight, it's just gone 9.30 on Friday the 14th of March. You're very, very welcome. Uh, please do give us your questions and your comments, and we'll get to as many of those as we can. Otherwise, as always, the pod is available for download on a Monday morning, and that's iTunes, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Please do give us a wee like, a subscribe, and a comment if you're feeling generous. Uh, my name is Ross Bennett. I'm going to be your JazzNet podcast host this afternoon. And joining me, we've got two of the uh, two of the old guard, two of the original guests of the of the Jersnet show. They've been with us for a couple of years, um, ever since we started up a few years back. First up, we have David Fraser. David, a very warm welcome back to you. How are you feeling after the first week of fifty five? Basking, Ross. Basking. How are you doing? It's been a while. It has been a while. It has been a while. I don't think that you've been on with a camera show yet. So how are you sort of finding seeing myself and Frankie as as well as just hearing us? I've not taken part in a camera show, but I have I have seen your your glowing Chevy chases before, and when I've been listening back to the podcast as a listener. Excellent. So no 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 shocks here. Excellent. Well, David, how did you? Um, I, I hear you had a, a a tough weekend celebrating, but I hope that you you managed to at least enjoy the Rangers result last Saturday, and and then Celtic dropping points on Sunday to finally get us over the line after a, a very long wait. Most definitely, Ross. It's been a long time coming. Um, yeah, I mean, you could say that the you know it's the champagne was on ice for a number of weeks, but getting over the line was uh, yeah, it was it was I wouldn't say it was necessarily a relief. It was just elation at getting it done. Uh, and as the manager's been saying, there just to to finally go over the line was was very very good. So yeah, but I echo the manager's sentiments. Um, you know, we're in a great position to go and build on the success we've achieved this season. And, Obviously, the season is far from concluded, so onwards and upwards. Aye, absolutely. Still plenty to plenty to fight for this year. Um, and also joining us tonight is uh, the, the chief of Jersnet himself, Stuart Franklin. Frankie, have you recovered from last Sunday's festivities? Hi, Ross. Hi, it's been a, a great week. I thoroughly enjoyed um, being in the background as you guys celebrated uh, last Sunday's title one. Um, it's been a fairly quick week and... Um, I mean, every part of it has been fantastic for the, the, the celebrations, uh, obviously with, with the players and the manager and, and uh, on the Saturday night and then through into the Sunday where it was it was confirmed probably earlier than any of expected this season. Um, I, with all the criticism of the support since then, I, I don't know what they would have actually done if if, um, if we'd won it um, this coming weekend at, 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 um, at Parkhead, but... Um, as I say, the, the, the fallout is, is to be is savoured as much as anything else. Uh, not just Celtic themselves seem to be to imploding, but um, people in the media and their cheerleaders and, and the uh, Scottish Parliament as well. It's 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 been a joy to behold, shall we say? Yeah, it has been. It's been a, a fun week, um, and sometimes you know you, you sort of find yourself pinching yourself that it's it's finally happened. You know, ten years of waiting for this, and sometimes over the last. Certainly, in the last six or seven years, where this this day, this week looked so remote, so far away, but to get it over the line and and, and not just sort of drag it over the line, but to steamroller this season, get it done by early March. It's uh, yeah, it's been a a very very enjoyable week. But as as we say, there's there's still plenty to play for this year um, to build on the success that we've already had. Scottish Cup, we think, is coming back at some point, but. Um, first and foremost in all of our minds now is the Europa League. And David, we uh, face the, the current leaders of the Czech League, uh, the Czech Republic League, um, Slavia Prague, who obviously dispatched of Leicester quite professionally in, in the last round. Looked like something we've discussed on this show a number of times this season. Another slow start. Um, Rangers not really at the races, and, and Prague took full advantage of that, knocking the ball around nicely, spreading it wide making us run and finally, you know, after seven or eight minutes, getting a very, very nice opening goal. Um, like I say, they capitalised on our slow start. And do you think, David, there's any chance that the festivities of the weekend, the celebrations that we saw Saturday and Sunday might have had um, maybe a wee lingering effect on the on the players? 
I'd be amazed if they didn't, Ross. Um, I think when Rangers go into action in the Europa League, especially after the, the hiatus since uh, before Christmas, I think that they, you know, there's an actual shock to the system when teams actually come out against Rangers and try to get on the ball and try to dictate tempo. So obviously that takes about a, while, you know, a few minutes to get up to use to. I mean, it doesn't matter how much classroom work and how many team talk minutes are spent in the dressing room priming you for that. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it can be difficult to adjust to the pace of the opposition, especially if you've never played them before. So, um, But undoubtedly, I'd imagine there'd be a few cobwebs as a result of being out in the lash for a couple of days at least in the lead up to the game. So uh, that said, though, I thought that they, after the, 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 the initial quarter, an hour, 20 minutes or so, I thought that Rangers... <laughs> Reasonably adjusted to the to the game and, uh, and managed to keep keep the checks at bay for for a period until up to a half time uh, whistle. So, aye, it was pretty good. I would say that the the performance in the second half was um, something like the Rangers we've came to expect. But uh, again, I would you know without um, being too far forward into the future, I think that. Rangers have performed better. I think the you know Rangers were, were you know run about par, maybe slightly under par in terms of their, their performance. I think there's more to come this Thursday, and hopefully they've had a good week uh, leading into it. Aye, and, and and having no game this weekend, I imagine is is ideal preparation for for Gerard anyway to um, maybe allow them a couple of days off and and not have to worry about a match and fatigue and players getting knocks and 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 really go into it because you know Europe is now number one priority for the rest of the season to, to get one stage further than we did last year. There's more money for that. There's more prestige. Um, so, yeah, hopefully there's, you know, the, the lack of a game this weekend has been good preparation for that. Uh, Frankie, the, the opener from from Slavia, I thought was a, a lovely finish. But the the boy who scored that goal was in was in acres of space. Now, there's been some talk that, that maybe Hadji had lost his man and you could see him making a dart and run back to try and get a block in, but, but it was just too late. Was there anything maybe that we could have done differently from a defensive perspective to, to try and prevent that goal? Aye, there was a, a few fail, failures, Ross. Um, you mentioned Hadji, and, and obviously he was the, the main culprit because it was probably his man that, that was free. And, and if, if Hadji had, had came back that wee bit further and, and stopped the, the pass to him, or at least it made it more difficult for him to, to get the shot away, then, then the lad might have you know, had as much time and... and uh, to, to stick it in the top corner and give McGregor no chance. But to be fair, the, one of the other um, Slavia players actually did quite well by making a run into the box, which took Kamara away as well. And he actually got in front of Kamara. So Kamara actually seen that the ball was getting back and get cut back. And I think I think the wee man would have maybe got out to block the shot and uh, even Golson might have been able to get across and take Kamara's man if necessary. But um, because of the, the, the Slavia's good play, that he blocked that off. And, and clearly uh, Stanchow had, had all the time in the world to, to pick his spot. But uh, you kind of take away for the, the quality of the finish. It was really it was fantastic. And unfortunately, it was just a... A symptom of a, 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 another poor start from from us, as as you mentioned, and uh, it was uh, t- to be fair though. I mean, I think Slavia started really well. They played the game at pace. They they got right at us, and um, they seemed to be a bit more comfortable on the pitch. I think quite a few players was were struggling with the surface and, and their choice of uh, uh, footwear. I mean, Hadji wasn't the only one, but there was quite a few players. Your players slipping, um, and the, the, the midfield didn't have a, a good first half at all, and. They were quite um, quite adept at switching the play, and and because Kamara and Hadji on that side were were kind of struggling a wee bit, it, it left uh, Parson isolated a lot more than than what we would have wanted, and and um, and obviously that caused the goal. But there was two or three times down that side that we we kind of struggled a wee bit, and but thankfully after half time we managed to. Uh, managed to sort that out and, and go on and play play a lot better. David, one of the things that struck me, uh, and it, and it really chimes with what Frankie's saying there was the first 15, 20, maybe 25 minutes, it felt to me like Nathan Patterson was was exposed and was maybe struggling. And it felt like, you know, if I'm the Slavia coach, I'm doing my homework on, on the opposition. And Nathan Patterson, rightly or wrongly, is the 19-year-old who's just come into the side defensive cover. He's the one that I'm going to exploit. But he seemed to grow into the game. Um, and Gerard, you know, gave his BT 
press conference afterwards and said that tonight was the night that Nathan Patterson became a man. What did uh, what did you make of his performance on on Thursday, David? I thought he was very good, Joyce. Um, like yourself, I, you know, it was pretty obvious that uh, the Czech coach had pinpointed um, a youngster as possibly been a weakness in the, the Rangers lineup, and I think that the um, the Rangers midfield, even allowing for the, the cobwebs aforementioned, the, the extra man that the Czechs had in the middle of the park in terms of the switching, the play, obviously um, posed a, a problem to the Rangers midfield insofar as there was more distance to cover in order to shut players down and to, to, to help the likes of Nathan Patterson to double up on um, spare men that would they would be receiving the ball from the player that, that was in possession of the ball. Um, the management obviously tweaked that at half-time and that aided in Rangers getting more of a foothold in the game in the second half. But to get back to Nathan, um, I, I like what I see. Uh, last season, um, the youth side were playing uh, in the the youth league, the UEFA youth league, uh, they played Atletico Madrid at Farhill and I went up to Farhill and watched, watched them play and Rangers get hammered that day. They, they, they didn't cover themselves in glory. Um, certainly the first 15, 20 minutes of that game and, and Nathan Patterson was watching him quite closely because he was obviously getting mentioned, he was starting to break into um, first team squads and I thought that I maybe saw, um, you know, maybe chinks at armour in his game, you know, um, from a, obviously from a fan's perspective. But he looks to have come on leaps and bounds in that 12-month period since. Um, he looks as if he is more concentrated from a defensive perspective. We saw last week um, against Antwerp how proficient he is in terms of being confident on the ball going forward. The way he took his goal was very, very good. And I think... A, believe it or not, that he's misdemeanor and he's just, uh, with the COVID situation may well actually help him, you know, in the, the immediate term because it's obviously got him more concentrated on the opportunity that he's got. I strongly suspect that he's been working three times as hard in training to try and make up for the his. Uh, He's there in judgment. And I, I like what I see. I think that there's, as the manager's alluded to, and I'm not just saying this because the manager's saying it, um, there's aspects of his game. You can definitely you can see the bare bones that they've got stuff to work with. And you can see why the, the, the management of Softfit to, to let go experienced um, players and promote him to be James Tavernier's backup. And uh, yeah, I think, you know. As long as he keeps his feet in the ground, and as I said, the, the COVID um, suspension is obviously going to uh, help in that. Become concentrated and he's in the right place in terms of the, the coaching staff, being able to develop players' games, that we've, we've got a track record of, of that, then the only way is up for Nathan Parson. And we, I don't feel that there's you know too much... Um, of a weakness on the side when when he's there because he's certainly he's he's capable. I think there's there's more to come from the book. So yeah, no, I think I think you're right, and I think whilst it did seem for the first half at least he was targeted by Slavia, they never got too much change out of him, and you know he's he's holding his own as a, an 18 year old lad who's come in without a great deal of first team experience, and he's holding his own in the last 16 of European competition. Um, against the runaway leaders of a, a league that's comparable to ours, I suppose, um, but a team that's already put out a, 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 a very difficult side in, in, in Leicester City. So, um, I, a good, a, a difficult first 15, 20 minutes maybe, but overall a, a very mature and composed performance. Frankie, hopefully your, your sound issues are sorted and, and we can hear Fingers your insight on the... Uh, on the Rangers goal. So it comes after 36 minutes. Um, and in my opinion, a wee bit out of the blue. But 
when Rangers get these free kicks, maybe 35 yards out of the box, slightly off to one side, we've had so much joy from the ball being cut across the face and someone like Goldson knocking it in. Now, we might have got a wee bit of luck with this one, with the ball taking a couple of ricochets and coming across, but it struck me as some excellent awareness and endeavour from Hadji to get to that ball first, to knock it across for a very simple tap-in from Hollander. What did uh, what did you make of the goal? Hi, first of all, uh, apologies for the sound issues, folks. Hopefully this is... Um... This is working now. There's a couple of settings that I have to uh, play about with in Streamlabs, and clearly I was choosing the wrong one. Um, in terms of the goal, of, uh, I, I think obviously Morelos won a, 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 an excellent free kick to, to begin with, and and that, that was really important because we were struggling to get into the game and struggling to, to keep the ball up at that end of the park. And uh, t- so it was obviously it was vital to try and get Morelos into the match. And it was the same with Ken and Hadji. And, and it, I was pleased that, that Hadji managed to create it as well with the cutback because he wasn't having a good game at all. There's a few players seemed to have an issue with their footwear. He kept slipping and and uh, he was really struggling. His mobility, as we discussed already, he was kind of um, partly at fault for the, the opening goal, I would say, um, for, for Slavia. And... But as, as as usual, we're very very lucky. We've got Tav normally clearly is injured at the minute, but Borna um, always puts in good balls, and that one was a wee bit flatter. Um, it was just over um, Morelos's head, or possibly the, the defender in front of Morelos got a touch. And like you mentioned, we got a wee bit lucky with the ricochet. But all credit to Hadji who chased it down. I mean, it looked like it was gone out, and it certainly looked like there was nothing of. But to, for him to be able to stick a leg out, cut it back, and and uh, and, and create the, the, the tap-in for Hollander really was was great going. And it, it, as you mentioned, it certainly it did come out of nothing, to, to, I think, if we're, if we're honest. And, and it did, but it did allow us to, to get a, a foothold into the game after that. And I think Slavia, who'd, who dominated that first sort of 35 minutes from there on, didn't look quite as confident as they did because um, they knew that we still carried a threat. And, and I think it helped our confidence. And uh, it, it was great to go in at half time one all because I think if I think if we're all honest, um, we kind of um, we, we kind of struggled in that first half. So it was good that we the, the second half half was a was a lot better in, in every respect. And as um, our regular listeners will know, we had John Davis on from um, the Slavia Prague youth department in our preview for the game, and and, and I was talking to him after the match and. And I think I made that point. I think the the best thing for us was we didn't play well at all last week. Um, in periods here or there, we did in the second half. But I think it's probably the main positive for us going into next week's uh, return leg is the fact that we surely can't play any worse than we did on on Thursday. And it, it was quite a surprise to me actually because it was our midfield where we struggled, uh, especially for the first the first half. It was um, Aribo. Um, Davis and Kamara were all very, very poor. Kamara had his worst game in a long time, actually. And uh, as, I, as I was saying before, I got caught, cut off um, earlier. That was um, that was that was a main problem in the first half. Kamara was kind of struggling on that right hand side, and, and we were leaving uh, parts and a bit exposed, and and they were going direct and into that channel, and it was and, or, or uh, switching the play, and, and we were struggling to cope with that. And it was good to see us um, adjust at half time, and that's one of the big benefits we've got with. With McBeal and the rest of the coaching staff, we're able to to um, to change things when it's not happening, and uh, that's what happened uh, last week. And, and I'm kind of hoping that a full week of preparation, no beer this time, no celebrations, obviously. Um, and I think I'm hoping it'll be a a, a a very different second leg from our point of view, at least. No, I think you're right. It's it's interesting, Frankie. We've spoken a few times on this show about Kamara being a big game player, and that. Uh, I think certainly in Europe over the last two years, he's really shown his value. Um, and I think when Kamara in Europe doesn't play well, the team suffers for it. And and I think we did on the, uh, the first half hour, 35 minutes on, on Thursday. Kamara couldn't string passes together. He, he looked short of confidence, but he grew into the game as well. And second half, the, 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 the whole dynamic of the game changed. Um, now, David... Frankie's sort of referenced Mick Beale there and some changes that were made, and I know that this has been discussed by Stephen Gerrard after the game. But what really do you think was it that, that changed at half-time that allowed Rangers to play with a bit more confidence or a bit more freedom? And Why is it that there was such a change as, as we went into the second half of the game? Well, the manager said that he went two up top uh, and played with win number 10. So 
leaving that extra player to to start slightly deeper, obviously um, created a headache for the Slavia players. Um, they had an extra man for a lot of, as I mentioned previously, they, when they were switching play with you know quite regularly in the first half, they had that extra man. And because um, the likes of Glenn Kamara, as, as Frankie was saying, they were struggling to shuffle across with that extra distance to to carry, uh, to get across to, to help out Nathan Patterson. That that had to be plugged at half-time. And uh, obviously the, the management tweaked it. Um, Joe Aribo, you know, started deeper uh, in the second half. And that helped to, to have more bodies in the middle of the park where they could recycle the ball and, and you know, get a feel for it and take the sting out of, of the Slavia. Um, side. Uh, another thing was that you know, I was saying to my, my brother as we were um, watching it that the the pace that Slavia were playing at, you know, it was difficult to maintain that intensity and aggression for for ninety minutes, even sixty minutes. Um you know, some teams that they play at, at severe pace, I think, back to Jurgen Klopp's Borussia Dortmund side and he's you know Liverpool side there, maybe about 18 months ago, were playing at a ferocious pace. And typically these sides, you know, super fat athletes can maybe last an hour, 65 minutes, maybe 70 minutes tops, and then you know, they start to tail off. So that extra man in the middle of the park um, allowed Rangers to get their foot in the ball more, build more attacks. And so the Slavia players had more defensive running to do and probably hasten their you know, tiredness and their drop-off in intensity. Um, so that helped. And as we've said previously, that Rangers, are, you know, Rangers played pretty poorly, considering how you know, we've been used to them playing of late, especially in Europe. But I think that, you know, tactically, I think now that they've, they've seen the Slavia team up close, I think the manager mentioned there that they've identified a couple of um, weaknesses that they can exploit in the return leg at Ibrox, and I think they may well see a, a different game. I just hope that, that in the league, you know, this week leading up to the game, that everybody um, that's fit and available um, has got a clean bill of health, and that we train well. We don't pick up any injuries in training, Touchwood, and that we, we had top form. I think if we play as well as we can, I think we'll, we'll see uh, a a different second leg as opposed to the first leg. Yeah, and I think that obviously, you know, the the, the importance of the away goal, we, we don't even need to speak about that. I mean, it, it, it it's it's so crucial to giving Rangers a bit of comfort and you think back to our European run to the UEFA Cup final in 2008, the importance of, of away goals that year. Um, you know, we know all about that. So getting that goal and then keeping it tight and not conceding again, I think, puts us in such a strong position. Um, from what was probably, you know, before, when, when the draw was made, this was probably a 50-50 tie. And in my opinion, the result on Thursday puts it more 60-40, 65-35 um, because of that away goal. And because of then the second half, the dynamic changed. You know, we we go to the two up top with the one number 10. It, it stops Slavia from playing with a certain freedom. But Frankie, it could have been also different were it not for Alan McGregor in the 89th minute, and I'm coming to you deliberately because you, you, you know, played to a very high level as a goalkeeper yourself. Um, what were your thoughts on on McGregor's save, and, and just how difficult do you think that would have been to pull off? Well, I think I think my tweet immediately after the game probably said it all. I mean, uh, that, what I said was forget everything else that happened that night. Just enjoy and, and take in that that save. That's one of the best saves you'll ever see. Um, I mean, people are saying, is it the best ever save you've seen? Possibly. I mean, I think every save is different. McGregor said that himself in the in his um, his interview after the game. There's there's different saves, there's different goals. You can't say one goal is better than another goal. There's so many different ways you can score, so many different ways you can save. But it was it was fantastic. I mean, it was a great cross. The guy let like a the proverbial salmon, and I thought they'd scored. Simple as that. And for for McGregor to get across, and not only stop it from going in, but to hold it was just stunning. 
absolutely stunning. I mean, there's an element of luck involved. Um, I, I think some another time he could save that. He could knock it round. It could come off his knees and could end back up in the net quite easily. Um, it, it could have came off him. It could have went in. But this time he saved it, and it was absolutely incredible. And and you could see, I think it, uh, one of their their strikers, uh, they, they they were celebrating. They thought they'd scored and. Right away, he had to, to put his arms right back down just because it was it, it was he managed to keep it out, and I'm still I'm still watching it. Actually, I was, this afternoon I was watching a game because I knew it was on the night, and it's just a fantastic bit of goalkeeping. I mean, I've been lucky enough. I'm I'm um, I'm in my mid forties now, and I, I was lucky enough to to see sort of Chris Woods play. Um, uh, obviously, Andy Gorham, uh, Stefan Kloss, McGregor in his first spell, McGregor again now, and and we, we've been really spoilt with the goalkeepers we've had, and every one of those names I've just mentioned, they've all had great saves. I remember Chris Woods, I forget uh, the, the, the Hibs player it was, but I remember there was one game at Ibrox, he, a save he made was out of this world that was going to the top corner, and I, I still don't know how he saved it. Um, Gorham clearly had, you could pick, Two or three great saves. The Van Hoydonk one's probably the, the the most famous one. The Ibrox, the actual, fun enough, the 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 one that saved the penalty for Hoydonk and the Van Vossen miss game was probably just as good from my point of view and was probably quite similar to McGregor's uh, during the week there. Um, I, I mean, and McGregor himself, obviously, he's he's got a great record, a great top class saves. I mean, the Verda Bremen one is as good as you'll ever see. But this one for me just had everything for a 39 year old guy to react, first of all, that quickly, then to have the agility to get across and save it is just fantastic. And then he gets bonus marks for his interview after the game, which was absolutely fantastic. It was just, I couldn't stop laughing. The, the guy is, is great, great uh, quality in, in terms of uh, playing a straight bat and it was fantastic, and as I say, we we just need to to enjoy these moments. I mean, if you told me at the start of the season, not only would we win the league, but we'd have the the goal of the season, we came our roof, and the save of the season with, with McGregor, then I'd, I'd probably laugh at you. Um, and uh, it's it's just great, and I think we just keep enjoying these moments as they happen, and and I just hope there's more to come over the next uh, couple of months. Aye, his his interview after was was spectacular. The the way he kind of downplays it and just says. Well, you stick a hand out and you hope that it doesn't go in, and it, you know, this time it didn't. As if that was all there was to it. I mean, the the pace at which he throws himself down, again, considering you know, thirty nine years of age, you'd expect him to be past his peak, but he just seems to be getting better and better. Mm-hmm. And David, the question that then everyone is immediately asking after the game is, well, does that beat his Bremen save? Which obviously same competition one round later, I think, when we played against Bremen. But where do you come down on that debate? That's a hard one, Ross. Um, Frankie's kind of stole my thunder a wee bit here. I've, I've, I've seen some phenomenal saves um, Rangers goalkeepers. Uh, I think when Stuart was answering your question there, I, I was I was thinking, how would I answer that question? I think that the, the, the Werder save, you know, obviously it was a very tense game. It was a close uh, tie. But given that the, the, the juncture in the game where McGregor pulls off the save on Thursday night, you know, with a couple of minutes to go. Um, though it had been, you know, as you're watching it in real time, you thought the ball was behind him and then you're expecting the ball to trundle over the line or, you know, hit the back of the net and then you think, oh, he's actually managed to pull the claw back. Um, I think the magnitude of it, um, his age, that's... That, comes into it. I mean, his footwork for it was exceptional. Uh, I'm sure Stuart will confirm me there that he's... That's, for a guy's age, uh, his level of professionalism is is very, very good. Um, as I've said there, Stuart and I, being a similar age, we've been fortunate to see some top-class Rangers goalkeepers. Um, not that, I mean, there was others... Backup keepers that were only mentioned that were, were tidy as well, with Ante Niemi, Lionel Charbonnier, um, good goalkeepers. Uh, and that save the other night, I mean, Ali McCoyst and, and Alan Hutton waxed lyrical about it, and rightly so. Um, but if you were to put me in this spot, 
and I'm not going. I'm not going to sit in the fence here. The, the, the save against Werder was was phenomenal. To touch that up onto the bar was incredible. But we live in the moment, so I'm just going to come down marginally on the side of the Slavia Prague, especially given his age, his his, his level of professionalism, and his anticipation, his instinct, just everything that. You can coach as a goalkeeper. If Alan Hodgkinson was, was uh, I'm assuming Alan's still with us, um, he may not actually, uh, given his age, but everything that you would coach a goalkeeper and all the instincts that you would want as a natural, from a goalkeeping perspective, were on display with that save on Thursday night. It was absolutely, truly world class. Just to cut in, sorry Ross, I know you've got coming, just I'll let spend a bit more time on, on not often we get to talk about goalkeepers, so as a fully paid up member of the goalkeepers union, I just want, want to mention, my, one of my favourite uh, saves in the last sort of 20 years, I actually believe it or not, was Steve Simonson, uh, I think it was 2014, away to Forfa, and he made an absolutely incredible save, it was also I think for a corner, possibly a free kick, and he was going one way and the ball deflected off one of the defenders or their striker and he had to come back across and claw it at the top corner. You can see it on YouTube. I think I've seen it on YouTube in the last few days somewhere and it's one of the best saves I've ever seen for Rangers goalkeeper. So it's always fashionable to name something for, for Gorham or McGregor or Kloss or whoever. Steve Simonson is honestly in my top five saves ever. He's, he's there, which is probably a bit of a surprise for our listeners. So you can all have a, a wee chuckle at that. I was, you know, I was thinking as you as you were rattling off all the great goalkeepers we had, you know, Woods, Gorham, Kloss, uh, McGregor, and then I got to thinking between the two McGregor spells, Steve Simonson, Cammy Bell. I mean, we had some real, some real shockers. I think so. I it's nice for Steve Simonson to to get a mention in a positive sense because he he wasn't the best. Rangers goalkeeper we've ever had and got pulled up for gambling offences while he was with us as well, if I'm not mistaken. I, I can't quite remember, but I remember the one the game he had a nightmare was the Dungeonated, was it semi final or the quarter final? We oh. played Dungeonated at, at Ibrox and, and he, I think we were getting beat 2 1 at that point anyway, and uh, and he gave away a, a, a cheap goal late on, a, a bad try to pass the ball out. So there, were, there was better aspects to his, his time at the club. So, Steve, if you're listening or if you've got a pal listening, we still remember you fondly, big man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, David, look, we go into Thursday hopefully well-rested and hopefully well-trained. How do you approach this game? Because, you know, we've got the away goal, probably puts us slightly in the driving seat, but we saw from the first 30 minutes just how dangerous Slavia can be. Um, what's the what's the ethos from Rangers here? Do we go for it? Do we try and keep sound, knowing that if we can keep a clean sheet, we're through? How, how would you approach this? Difficult one, Ross. Um, I think Stevie obviously said that uh, he uh, wanted to take a bit of responsibility in terms of being culpable for the tactics uh, on Thursday night, saying that you know the team was was waiting for things to happen. You know, to, for, you know, he uses that phrase quite often. You know, he does like his teams to wait. So, given that he said that, you're going to. You could be forgiven for presuming that he's going to um, try and force the issue early on, but I mean, let's let's be be honest here. Rangers defensively in Europa League uh, haven't been that great. Um, I think you know if there's any if there's any foibles in the Rangers team, they seem to be exposed in in the, in the Europa League, where the concentration levels um, require to be. A wee bit higher. So that said, though they, they did manage to um, to band down the hatches in Prague last week. So if they can remain concentrated, um, it's a you know you're saying there about the, the tie being slightly in our favour. Uh, definitely, you know we've got an advantage. Leicester obviously went there and they got a nil-nil draw and came on stuck at home. So we we do have the slight advantage, but there lies the rub. To be stuck or twist. I think Gerard, being a positive coach, generally speaking, will look to impose our game play and uh, style on the checks. Um, 
Kamar Roof's obviously coming for a, a cameo. He's going to be fit again, presumably. He's, he's going to come through the week of training uh, unscathed. So um, that's a card up Stevie's sleeve with regards to you know, something that the Czechs might not necessarily be used to from, from last week. So I would like to think that we'd go into it with a positive approach, but we've got to keep the back door closed. And we've got to remember, we've got to remain concentrated. You know, there was, um, if any criticism could be levelled at the side last week, and you know, there'll be some, there'll be some listeners will be, they'll probably be looking and thinking, "Oh, here he goes." But I thought the defending for the for the header that McGregor pulled off the, the fantastic save was abysmal. I thought they were ball watching. Oh, you can see, well, it's the end of the game. You know, they were tired. They're mentally tired with the, their exertions and celebrating. You know, the, that mental um, energy expended is, you know, it, it takes its toll. So you could you could cut them a bit of slack, but I thought that the defending was, was was really really poor for that chance. So if they can remain switched on and, and totally, you know, make what I've just said there, you render that moot. Then, I I think like we're at home, we've got everything to play for. The Czechs need to score, so they're going to come out. They're going to be, it's, it's going to be entertaining, and if we can keep them at bay, um, hopefully dictate the play in terms of ball possession, ball retention, chance creation, all the usual platitudes. If we can play the way we've been playing and remain concentrated and switched on at the back then, if we can get a, a goal in the first half and build upon that, or even better if, if, if it were to come about, then uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, then we, we, we may have a good night on Thursday night. Let's hope so. Frankie, uh, as David referenced there, Leicester go to Prague, they get a 0-0 draw and then they get turned over at home. What lessons do you think Steven Gerrard will have taken from that in, in terms of his preparation for the return leg on Thursday? Um, well, I think, first of all, clearly Slavia is a dangerous team. I mean, we learned that on Thursday and I'd like to think that there won't be any complacency from us in that respect. It took a big effort, a very big effort, and it took a superhuman save to, to, to for us to get a draw. So I, I think we're more than aware of of the threat that they carry. I mean, they've got one defender suspended. I think Zima got got booted in the in the first leg, so he's out. But they've got a, another capable defender in Delhi, who's on loan for Bruges, I think, um, to come in. So I don't think they'll change their team too much. Um, We've got options. Obviously, Roof is nearing fitness. I, I very much doubt he'll start, but he should be able to play a, a bigger part in the game. And I was, I was actually, it was one positive I took for, for Thursday is he didn't play for very long, Roof, but I thought he did quite well when he came on, certainly compared to the when he, when he last played before he got off injured against Antwerp. We had actually had a bit of a nightmare of a game. And, uh, but he looked a lot better and a lot, a lot fitter and, and sharper on, on Thursday in, in his short cameo. Um, the key player might be Ryan Jack, though, if, he, if we can get him available. Um, I think uh, by all accounts he was quite close to, to travelling across to, to Prague for the first leg, but um, the manager decided to, to sort of wrap him up and cut him wheel and keep him for Thursday. So if he's, he's obviously fit and training and available, again, I'm not entirely convinced he'll, he'll start. Um, but it, the manager might think it's it's worthwhile. I mean, th- this is the, the the good thing we've got now. The league's won, so we can afford to pick and choose what games we play play certain players in. And obviously, we want to try and go unbeaten. Clearly, we we want to beat Celtic next week um, and next Sunday as well. So we've got that game to think about. But now we've got to think about progression in Europe. That's the next step. Not just for us, we can we can have a laugh at Celtic and, and them having a bad season in Europe, but if Scottish football wants to progress, if Rangers, fan, Rangers want to progress as a football club, then we need to do well in Europe. And and we need to try and win next week and go through. I mean, the, the Ukrainian teams obviously both got beat last week and both look like they're, they're out. So if we can go through, then it means we're automatically... Or, Whoever wins the title next season's in the uh, automatically in the, the group stages of the Champions League for 2022-23. So hopefully that will benefit us. Hopefully we'll win the title again next year and, and we'll we'll make the most of that. But even so, uh, it'd be good for us to take other Scottish teams with us. Their form this year in Europe is fantastic. 
and uh, I, I'm kind of hoping now it's, it's Slavia that's worried. Um, we can definitely look at what they did against Leicester. I mean, I think Leicester had a few players missing. Uh, obviously, James Madison didn't play, and he's a key player for them. Rodgers hasn't done fantastically well in Europe, didn't do fantastically well at Liverpool or it when he was at Celtic. So, uh, again, maybe we can take a positive for that. It's a shame we want to have 50,000 supporters um, next week, but um, we are more than capable of going through, and we are very slight favourites now, I would say. Um, but it is very, very tight. It could go, I mean, it could go down to, to the wire. It could go to extra time quite easily. Uh, David Wright, our defending, hasn't been fantastic lately. I mean, I, I would make one slight um, exception to that in, in the, the Antwerp game. I think the reason we conceded so many goals is because, we're, although we weren't exactly gung-ho, we were attacking a lot ourselves. And, and I think we've seen that as their weakness. And I, th- I think that's why we were probably a wee bit more open at the back than we normally would be. I think the manager might shut the door a wee bit in that respect on Thursday. He might well bring Arfield back in drop Hadge out and stick a rebo further forward and go with that sort of familiar sort of, I wouldn't say a defensive setup, but more of a, the sort of medium block and a more sort of conservative team and just play our way into the game and we, we definitely need to start the game stronger and if we can get one goal up I think I'd be fairly confident that we can get through um, there's, and that being said, there's a, there's a lot of football to be played, and, and they're a very good team. And I think I don't think their strikers actually played that well on Thursday, and they'll be looking to improve in, in, in that aspect. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, it is it is very very tight, um, but Slavia was a good draw, and we now we got a, a great result last week. So I'm really hoping we can we can make the most of that on Thursday and, and, and uh, take the game to the aim and, and show what we're all about and, and, and get ourselves into the last eight, which would be another fantastic achievement. Absolutely. And you're right, Slavia was a good draw. You look at the the 15 other teams in that draw that we could have got, um, Slavia would have been probably in most people's top top five, definitely maybe top three, alongside sort of Molda and, and teams like that. So... Um, a lot of football still to be played. Probably just about shading it as favourites now. Um, the game obviously is is on Thursday at eight o'clock. Jesnet will have a, a preview show hopefully on Wednesday, so please do tune into that and we can uh, discuss a wee bit more then. Gents, before we go on, um, we'll look at some of the other bits and pieces floating around Scottish football land in, in a minute. But allow me to just mention one of the partners that we have here at Jesnet. Uh, tonight's show is in association with FootballPrizes.co.uk. If you head over to that website, we've mentioned them a few times now, there's a couple of prizes on offer for Rangers fans at the moment, including a signed photo of Marvin Andrews and Nacho Novo from Helicopter Sunday uh, and a signed Lorenzo Amoruso shirt up for bids as well. As always, really nicely framed and presented. All you have to do is head over to the website at footballprizes.co.uk and buy tickets to enter. Otherwise, keep your eyes on the Jersnet Twitter feed to get involved. Right, moving on. Uh, David, this week, or actually I think in the last sort of 24, 48 hours, Rangers kind of finally released a statement addressing the SFA report on historic child abuse within the Scottish game. And and Rangers came in for a lot of criticism for not addressing the topic. You know, a, a number of clubs were, were implicated in that report that was issued, what, three, three weeks ago now, perhaps? Um, and, and Rangers' silence was criticised probably by the usual suspects and, and exactly who we thought would criticise Rangers' um, but a statement has now been made, and we'll come on to the content of that in a moment. But, you know, firstly, David, is, is there any excuse for a delay of, of three or four weeks before we get this statement out there? Uh, uh, I guess it depends on your point of view. I think if... Um, hand and heart, I know... <laughs> Pregnant pauses here, Ross, uh, which I apologise for. Um, I don't really blame the club for taking time to digest the contents of the report and having a measured response. Um, If there was any criticism that could possibly be attached was that there's maybe an extended period um, that she could maybe question. That said, though, um, we've got to remember that you know an important business at hand in terms of playing, and that's not to distract from any of the 
you know, any of the, the seriousness of the situation. So, um, no, I think that they've obviously, the club have sought to take their time to get through it with a fine tooth comb. Uh, and as I say, release a, a measured response. And I think that the, the statement basically does that. I think, you know, Rangers were going to be criticised whether they, they issued a statement five minutes after the, the report was made public or whether it was five weeks after they made it public. So I think it's a case of, you know, Rangers, as we've sadly seen in the last week, certainly in, in Hollywood, uh, are taught, you know, all too easily painted as a bogeyman. Sometimes, you know, we're, you know, our collective support maybe don't help uh, the situation, but um, I don't think that can be can be brought in in this instance. I think it was just a case of, you know, Rangers would have been criticised no matter what they did. So, but I'm glad that the club have come out and, and released a statement and they've addressed it and you know, we'll obviously we'll go into the, the content of it in due course, but yeah, it's. Um, I think a lot of fans are, are welcome the the statement that's been released recently. Yeah, the, the criticism around timing for me, and obviously, you know, posing the question in that way is: is there any excuse? I'm sort of playing devil's advocate a wee bit because, you know, in my opinion, the the criticism that Rangers have received from that is no better than, you know, the point scoring that people have tried to make from from this whole issue and. You've had the, the people that were criticising Rangers for a delayed statement were the same people who were very, very quick to claim you're trying to score points by bringing up historic child abuse. Um, how how dare you use that to try and demean a club or be superior about which club you support? That's To me, that's exactly what people have done with this issue is uh, score points over who managed to get their statement out first, regardless of what that statement actually said. And to me, that's that's just... In, in exceptionally bad taste, it really is. Um, Frankie, the, the the actual content of the statement I thought was very, very carefully and, and deliberately put together. Um, the approach that Rangers seem to take is to quite explicitly apologise for what went on and also clarify the extent of Rangers' involvement in these issues, which I think it is only right that Rangers set themselves apart from other maybe more implicated institutions in Scottish football. Um, what did you make of of the actual construction of that statement? Yeah, I was, I was quite happy with it. Um, I'm not convinced that that statement needed four weeks to, to be written. I think it could have came out a wee bit quicker. However, we're not privy to, to other things that are happening in the background. Obviously, there's legal conversations going on. There's uh, conversations with the, with the football authorities, etc., etc. So um, it's, it's easy for us to sit and complain and say we should have had something out, an apology out, or compensation paid, or whatever you want to to, to mention. You could say that should have been done within days or within a week. Um, we, we don't know exactly what happens, but at the end of the day, the, the statement seems to be clear enough. I think it's fair enough. It's measured enough. It's it's mentioned the fact that we had a problem with one guy who came to us from another club who the other club did not or did not appear to to uh, deal with, with what happened there well enough and we ended up with this nasty person in our club and, and eventually their complaint was made and we dealt with it and I'm glad to see that's what happened. Um, I'd like to think and I'll, the, 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 the content about um, if there is any issues between what happened pre-2012 and post-2012 at Rangers, are, I'll be happy to deal with that. I was pleased to, to read that with the point being made at the same time that clearly there, other clubs have other entities as well which they're trying to separate themselves from, which is, looks dubious to me. Um, the apology was good. The apology didn't limit it itself to anybody that's had issues with Rangers. I apologise to everybody that's, that, that's suffered for this horrible um uh, situation, uh, whatever club or whatever country they're in, and I'm glad that Rangers were broadened that 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 out, and I'm glad they they said that, and um, and I think that actually one of the biggest positives since the statements came out is obviously Rangers have, have um, put together a, or offered counselling for anybody that wants to to take up on that. They've organised a trauma counsellor for any person that thinks they were affected by this issue that they can get in contact with the club and they'll put them in contact with this person whereby they can they can uh, raise uh, 
what, what, what happened to them. And, and I think at the end of the day, it's the, the victims that we have to think about here. There's been far too many people um, involved in this. I mean, I wrote an editorial for for the, the Jersey website a month ago when the, the, the original statement came out, or sorry, the, the original report came out for the SFA. And, and I mean, I played football in the, the late 80s, early 90s, and, and thankfully I never, I never uh, witnessed anything like that at all. But clearly it happened. It happened at other clubs. It happened at clubs that I played at. It happened at Hutchison Vale, and that's where Gordon Neely was, was involved. Um, he was also at Dundee United. I was at Dundee United. These things, as I say... There, but as I said in that statement, there, but for the, the grace of God, it, it could have been me that this could have happened to. So, as far as I'm concerned, every everything that can be done to help these people should be done, and it doesn't matter what football team they played for, what incarceration incarceration football team they played for. It's we need to we need to help them, and uh, I'm glad that Rangers have taken that step. They've apologised, and and uh, they're, they're willing to to deal with it uh, going forward. Yeah, absolutely, and I think. Look, we don't want to labour the point on this too much. Um, the statements out there, Rangers are are taking ownership of the parts that they need to take ownership for. But what, what I particularly like is that they are signposting people where to go for help, regardless of whether this is a Rangers issue, whether this is a Scottish football issue, a global football issue and global sports issue, really. Um, Rangers want to sort of play their part in making all of this right. We've, ex- we've detailed the extent of our involvement in what went on in the past, but have clearly said, regardless of your experience, this is where you can go to get help. Um, and Rangers seem to want to take a, a starring role in that. So I think, to me, that's the right thing for Rangers to do. That shows that, uh, you know, they want to be a, a responsible organisation, a leader in this way, not try and separate out what might have happened under a different corporate structure, which would do in a very, very easy way out for Rangers um, so yeah I think I think the statement whether it came at the right time or not the, the actual content and the approach that they've taken is is to be commended I think um, right David we'll just wrap up in, in a few minutes but one of the other things I want to talk about tonight is the build up to the Old Firm game and you know again we'll, we'll absolutely have a, a preview pod coming out later on in the week looking ahead to the Old Firm on Sunday once we get past uh, Slavia Prague on Thursday in the build-up to this game, now obviously this is this is in the shadow of Rangers winning 55, fans celebrating gatherings in public, George Square outside of Ibrooks, and and the very hysterical political and media response to that. That seems to have led to a meeting between SFA, Scottish government, police, Rangers, and Celtic. Um, and and following this, there's been a number of stay-at-home messages coming from the club from Stephen Gerrard, from from various people. You know, Tavernier did a, a video that was tweeted out from the Rangers account um, asking fans to stay at home. And this seems to be a very, very concerted message. And it seems that this is probably one of the conditions of the game going ahead is that both clubs actively encourage their fans to stay at home. David, is this really necessary? Do you think that maybe this is all a bit overkill and were, were fans ever really going to turn up to Parkhead on Sunday? I don't think that fans necessarily would have. Um, I think given the events of the the past week, if anything, um, it may well have uh, prompted people to actually turn up to rub Celtic's fans' faces and if if they're going to turn up to, in inverted commas, defend their stadium. Um, I think, you know, it's, you know, that, that political fallout during the week is, you know, is very, very much a, a microcosm of a certain aspect of Scottish society, and it's it's quite a sad thing to look on. It. Um, it's it's not unsurprising. Um, I think it is uh, it's unnecessarily inflamed a situation which didn't need to get out of hand in the way that it did. Um, I think I cast my mind back to last Saturday and uh, I seem to recall Charles Patterson reporting for Sky Sports News outside of Ibrox, categorically stating that, um, that the tannoy system at Ibrox was being used to ask Rangers fans to disperse from outside the main stand. Um, 
that seems to have been completely airbrushed from history by various politicians, um, various uh, members of, or representatives of the public services by way of the police. And this um, old firm kind of solidarity in terms of a public message uh, has been brought about um, largely because of, uh, what shall we say, you know, Rangers being used as a political um, punch back, um, wrongly in my opinion. And the fact that the chairman had to write to the first minister um, to question some of the stuff that is, is taking place in parliament at the start of last week there, um, says it all really, Ross. And uh, I just hope that, that the fans have, have managed to get that um, pent up release out of their system. Um, I'm sure they have. I think that the, the scenes in George Square have went a long way to you know exercising the demons if you like. And let's not forget, you know, the you know the numbers that were in George Square and outside Ibrox could have been tenfold with the amount of Rangers supporters who could have turned up. And that's not to absolve any Rangers supporters who, you know, perhaps but you know, their judgment was maybe brought into question about, you know, the risks involved. But yeah, the fact that that, that that football managers have got to come out and be politicians in this situation, um it's 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 a it's a sad thing. And it, when you think that thankfully these league games only come up four times a season, obviously they can be added to with, with cup games, but yeah, I'm sure that that Stevie and the players could do without being uh, political mouthpieces for that are being, uh, I sadly have to have to be used in order to defuse a, a, a potential powder keg situation and and further further you know political and uh, headache if you like. It's, it's you know I'd rather just get the game out the road and, and, and move on to be honest with us. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, and I don't think that the club can be doing anything more than they currently are. I mean, I don't I don't think there was much more that the club could have done last weekend. As you say, captured live on Sky that the Tannoy is telling folk to go home. Um, messages put out by the club, by the manager, saying that people need to be safe, respect the regulations. Um, but that's all, as you say, conveniently forgotten. Um, Frankie, just as a last word on this, because I, I, we don't like to stray into the political on this forum. Um, but what did you make of Rangers? I don't know if we'd say leaking, but making publicly available the correspondence that, that Mr. Park sent to Nicola Sturgeon, uh, you know, responding to, to the allegations that Rangers hadn't done enough last week. I think we're quite well within our rights to, to reply publicly to, to what they were saying. I mean, uh, Sturgeon and uh, Swinney, they've, they've got, um, their soapbox every day on TV at the minute when it comes to COVID and time after time they say it's COVID only that they're there to talk about and time after time it, other issues seem to, to, to crop up. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I would call myself a, a floating voter. Um, I'm from, I mean, my, my granddad, both my granddads were miners, uh, Scottish Labour guys. Uh, I'd imagine that's probably the case for for most of our listeners, um, nowadays Labour are absolutely hopeless in Scotland. The SNP, I doubt I could ever vote for, and uh, the Conservative Party is hardly uh, my background either. So I don't have any bias when it comes to criticising politicians, and I, I can't stand these people. I, I, I don't, I do not understand why they just can't play stuff with a straight bat. I mean, last, last, what happened last weekend? Okay. Didn't matter if Rangers won the league this season or Celtic won the league. The fans were going to come out in their thousands to celebrate, whether it was ten in a row or the fifty-fifth title. So the government and the police—they had fair warning of this. Okay, a lot of people, hundreds of people, thousands of people didn't go, and that's to their credit. The people that did go shouldn't have done it. There's nothing wrong with saying that. I'm not losing staunch points for saying that. 
however it was going to happen and I, I wouldn't criticise anybody for, for doing it if, if I was 20 years old and lived in Glasgow I would have been at Ibrox last weekend or, or George Square there's absolutely no doubt about it so I'm not going to be a hypocrite about it and that's what these politicians are the hypocrites because if it was Black, Life, Black Lives Matters the year before Independence Marges the year before what happened in London at the weekend uh, with, with that lady that was sadly uh, murdered these things happen, these marches, these protests happen, and they shouldn't happen under the current guidance, and that's absolutely fine. But um, to, to try and suggest that they didn't have any warning or couldn't have planned for this is just complete and utter lies and mischief-making. And, and when it comes to the Scottish government, clearly they are just looking for a deflection um, in terms of the, the, the salmon debate and, and other stuff that's happening with the SNP at the minute, and it was just a squirrel for them to, to point elsewhere for the media to look at and um, and I was glad that Rangers went to, to Peter Adam Smith at ITV because he is one um, Scottish journalist Okay, he's, he's, he reports for the network as opposed to Scottish television but he's one journalist that doesn't shirk from asking the questions that need to be asked and he did that last week He's, he's neutral, he's not biased, he's, he's a Rangers fan by all accounts, but at the same time he's not crit afraid to criticise Rangers, and he, he did that as well. However, he was quite right, he, he asked what more, what more can, can Rangers do? And this was the same for, for the Celtic game coming up this weekend. The clubs can only do so much. It, for for the, the Justice Minister to come out during the week and tweet and say, well, we might need to cancel this game, or we might need to move this game because some fans might come out and cause trouble. I cannot believe what, what I was hearing or what I was reading for this guy. He's he's in charge. He If he's got intelligence that there's going to be issues, deal with it. It's not, not for the club or clubs to deal with that. They can try their best. Rangers have done it. Celtic have done it. Kennedy came out. Gerrard came out. Tavier's came out. And I, and I, I didn't anticipate very many fans going to uh, Parkhead on Sunday. Either either side. I mean, there's no reason for our supporters to go now. Um, we've done our celebrating. Hopefully we'll win on Sunday. Um, there might be some fans think I'm going to go along and celebrate that, or I'm going to go along and and and, and try some banter. I, I don't think you'll get away with that. They've put these they've put these fences up again. Let's not forget they've had these fences up for a while for Celtic fans congregating their hundreds for to throw fences at, at Polis. Um and I can't remember very much being saying about that at the time. So. I can only echo what their captain and their manager says and what our club's saying now. Don't go along. There isn't any point. We've, we've won the league. Let's take the moral high ground now. Let's look after each other. Let's be safe. There's people dying for this thing. When I, uh, I was talking about one of my friends uh, off here, uh, their, their parent died, and uh, it is happening out there, so you've got to look after yourselves. Um, we've still got this trophy to lift at some point. We've still got European games to play. Let's not put anything like that at risk. Let's not allow our manager and our players to, to have to take their eye off the ball in that respect by having to deal with political stuff that the politicians should be dealing with. Um, we've won the league this season, we're the Scottish champions and um, let's go on and do as much as we can in Europe and not get criticised in the media for, for stuff that, that we can now take responsibility ourselves for. Yeah, and I think I think that's, that's the point, isn't it? It's looking forward to what else is to come in the next few months. Um, lifting the trophy probably the Scottish Cup at some point, European ties ahead. I'm not saying that Ibrooks is going to be open for 50,000 folk to come and watch all of these things, but England down here, we're talking about 20,000 fans to watch the FA Cup final. We're talking about people going to watch the snooker again as a test event. We're talking about the European Championships being open fully for fans to, to watch the games. And it, it feels like the, the Scottish government or the media or the police, the authorities, whoever it is, is waiting for an opportunity to shut this down and blame it on Rangers. Because my opinion is that this is what they wanted to happen. Once it became apparent that Rangers were winning the league, uh, you know, we can't stop Rangers winning the league, but at least we can criticise the way in which they celebrate it. Which is why Rangers try and open correspondence with the Scottish government at the end of 2020 and it's ignored. And there's meetings and it's not followed up. And, and Hamza says, right, let me check with the police and get back to you. And he never gets back to you. Because in my opinion, this is what they wanted to happen, was let the Rangers fans come out in their, you know, in their numbers, enjoy their night, get as many photos of a damaged bench in George Square as you can, and pillar them for it afterwards. Because uh, we can't stop them winning the league, but at least we can criticise the manner in which they celebrate it. 
and with everything that's to come, whether it's you know Scottish Cup, European Games, lifting the trophy, you feel that the people in charge are waiting for an opportunity to shut this down and blame it on us and say, no, you couldn't be trusted, uh, so we won't let you in to watch this, we won't let you in to watch that. It'll be 20% capacity at the start of next season because you couldn't be trusted last year. Um, and that's a really, really sad state of affairs. But like you say, the, the club have done everything they can. Um, it's on record the number of stay-at-home messages have been put out. If any, if people want to go along, people will go along, whether that's for a bit of banter or to celebrate the game or whatever. If folk are going to do that, folk are going to do that. There's nothing that the club can do. Um, and that's that's where we are. Right, gents, we have uh, we've ticked over the hour, so I think it's about time that I wrap that up there. Um, I want to say, as always, a massive thank you to David and to Frankie for for giving up their evening tonight and, and joining me on the show. Thanks to everyone as well on, on the YouTube stream who's got involved and uh, and and given up their Sunday nights to join us. The show will be back hopefully on Wednesday with a, a wee preview ahead of the Slavia Prague game, and then of course next Sunday as we delve into the the fallout of the old firm over at Parkhead. Um, until then, please do head over to the website at www.jersnet.co.uk. Check out the articles, check out the forum as well, where you can find myself, David and Frankie. Uh, all that's left for me to say is um, we will see you next time. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Stay safe and have a great week.